back to they made another one each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up on its own i'm one of your hosts Corey, and i'm your other host liam and this is number two of who knows how many quarantine spectacular special extravaganza episodes while we're all locked in our houses for the most part awaiting the world to become a better place and hoping that things figure themselves out and before i get too far into that liam Let's get a situation status update. How are you feeling? How was your week? How are you doing with uh, with the world and all of the things in it? I'm feeling pretty good about uh, my situation and the way I'm dealing with it. So that makes me feel good. But um, I mean, it's still it's still a rough one out there and, and that can't change. But uh, personally, I have moved out of the house Corey and I lived in together. Uh, temporarily, and I am lodging at a place that both the coronavirus and Clancy Brown have less of a chance at getting me. <laughs> uh, I'm avoiding public transit, staying home, watching movies, eating junk food. Again, man, if it weren't for the whole coronavirus thing, this would be a pretty cushy setup. I am personally enjoying my days, but uh, once I think for more than five seconds, I get kind of bummed out again because, you know, other people out there are, are having a real bad time, and uh, I feel sorry for for everyone, really. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been hitting the old dusty trail to the workplace still. Like I think I said last week, it's a hell of a time to be starting a new job, and a new job that's considered essential given everything that's happening. So that's been a bit of a stress on me in my life. And <laughs> then Kiki just dabbed from the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay well we got dabs in the episode and this is the house i moved out of everybody <laughs> yeah people just Le- dab Liam moved into a dab free zone because it's 2020 and it's not funny anymore cakey <laughs> well dabbing aside uh i've mostly been doing all right stressed as always but i'm also stressed when there isn't a global pandemic going on And we'll try to not talk about that too much because I'm sure this is meant to be at least a little bit of escapism for somebody, us included, I think. But, you know, we have been doing what have inadvertently become quarantine spectacular episodes. And we've had a couple different ways we've tried to tackle um, keeping our spirits high amid all of the weirdness. And we got lucky with the Invisible Man episode because that movie got dropped on... We planned it. We planned on this that makes it sound like we knew something other people didn't know. Um, I, I knew what I was saying. All right. Well, somebody can follow up with Liam later if they so choose. But Invisible Man came out. Great. We loved it. We got to put out an insightful, thoughtful discussion where we really got to sort of dive into a movie that we both loved. And that's always fun. And that's a good way to keep your mind off things. And then the following week, we pivoted in 180 degrees, complete opposite direction, and we had Laura back on the show, and we went for the most sugary, sweet, bullshit movie we could possibly find, which was uh, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, with which, um, for anybody who has listened, knows that uh, was apparently a hill I was willing to die on in terms of being a good movie, but uh, maybe not everybody else. And now we're sort of left in a in an in a weird spot we didn't really know what we wanted to do for this week i was texting with liam about it we had some options in the air and we decided you know what might be a salve for these trying times liam what's that nicholas cage and i know that nicholas cage is a bit of a meme and i don't think that's a entirely earned reputation that he has i feel like there's plenty of movies where he's an exceptionally good actor And I think that there are plenty of circumstances where his sort of heightened, abstract, like near impressionistic style, as I've seen him describe it, uh, works even if it's not like a naturalistic way of acting. And then in other cases, you get like, I don't know, like Ghost Rider 2, which probably sucked. But we decided that why not... Guess we have to figure it out sometime. Someday eh? we will do the sequel to Ghost Rider. But we decided, you know... Out of all of Nicolas Cage's movies, what has the most of a reputation? And I don't think this was necessarily a conversation we explicitly had, but (laughs) arguably it would be The Wicker Man, which is the movie we watched. Um, Remake of the night. I don't know why that was funny, but... (laughs) 
I just I didn't realize that uh, there was so much riding on this decision. Like we broke down Nicolas Cage's filmography, and apparently Corey was having a lot more discussions with me telepathically than I realized. Well, but if you think about it, if you look at his filmography, and you consider what fits the criteria for our show, and then you whittle it down to well, what would actually be an interesting episode? I think the Wicker Man sticks out, even though. It's been around for 14 years and memed to death, and it has this reputation that just precedes it in every way because it's such an icon of this kind of movie that I don't know how you don't ultimately decide that that would be the thing out of Nick Cage's filmography that you go with because it's not like we were going to watch fucking Bringing Out the Dead, right? Like, we weren't going to watch Mandy, not just because these things don't count, but they're just different kinds of movies. So what we went with was this, which is a remake of a 1973 film, and the 2006 adaptation was directed by Neil Labute. Um, Labute, I don't know how to say his name. It was also written by him based on the original Wicker Man, starring Nicolas Cage, Ellen Burstyn, Kate Behan. Behan? Names are hard, people. Francis Conroy, Lily Sabisky. Molly Parker and Diane Delano. Everybody kind of knows what this movie is, I think. Liam, what did you know about this movie before you saw it, or had you seen it already? Yeah, I had seen this one, and not a uh, surprise. I've, I've seen the original, so I knew I knew pretty well what I was getting into. I saw the original first before I ever saw this one, so I knew what I was getting from the get go. Can you talk to me a little bit about the original? It was on Criterion Channel a little bit ago, so I have reason to believe it's a well-regarded film. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard it's super well regarded. Uh, the big difference here, because it's a pretty simple story and uh, you get a lot of it from this movie. The big difference is that the island is not run by females in the original movie and the original movie is British and there are no bees Uh they're super obsessed with apples in that movie, not these. <laughs> uh, but other than that, it's 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 the same story, really. It's a detective police officer dude who's looking for a lost child on an island, and people are acting kind of weird to him, and it climaxes in that main character being burned in a giant wicker man. Um, You know, I'm, I was going to save this for later, but I'm just going to get out in front of this now. The fact that he changed it so the island is entirely run by women is actually a huge and significant change. Because I just finished watching this movie, but I was doing a little bit of reading about it and about um, the guy who made it, Neil... Le I'm going to go with Labute, um, and then if I'm wrong, whatever. Uh, so he is a playwright and also a filmmaker, and he is known for a lot of plays that sort of work within the... Uh, like uncomfortable social realities and dynamics between men and women and stuff like that. There is in the company of men, which is about like two guys who start like being shitty to like a deaf female coworker. As far as I can tell, um, I have a blog up that says perhaps Labute's most popular works in the theatrical industry are his works that comment on physical appearance or overall desirability. Uh, he had a play called fat pig, wherein the, plot is based around a plus-size woman who dates a quote conventionally attractive man who does not want to be seen in public with her um there are some people who look at his work and see somebody holding up a mirror to society and saying like yo this sucks why do we do this um however there are other people that find his work exploitative and bigoted and by putting the people who do the shitty behavior in the protagonistic role in the position of power in the stories that he tells that he's perpetuating it rather than just holding up a mirror and it's part of the problem and that's a lot to unpack really quick right before you record an episode of a podcast so i want to preface this with i'm not an expert in his oeuvre and i don't know a lot about his work and this was based on some very cursory reading um but it seems that his work typically has some complicated stuff going on in terms of gender. So the fact that he made the island run entirely by women feels like a gigantic change. And um, I felt something weird about that, kind of. Like, it just it felt kind of weird. Um, I mean, the whole movie feels weird, and we'll get into that. But reading a little bit about that sort of 
help put those feelings in perspective. Uh, I haven't seen any of his other work. I don't have an opinion on what his prevailing themes of his career are, but it's something that I want to keep in mind for people. And, you know, people can look up for themselves, uh, critics and writers digging into his work and they can figure out how Wicker Man fits into it. I frankly just have not had the time to do that adequately. Um, this was probably in the last 30 minutes or so I've been able to do reading 30, 45 minutes. Um, but it's important to keep in mind, especially knowing that the original film doesn't do that, that that feels interesting to get back on track a little bit here quick. Liam, you, uh, you're a fan of the first movie then? I am. Yeah. I've only seen it the one time and I saw it with the intent of doing a double feature with the Nick Cage movie. And this was recently too. This was about a year or two ago. Before that, I didn't really know anything about The Wicker Man. I knew that this remake existed, but I hadn't really thought of the original all that much. Um, and so I didn't quite know what the story was. I knew I knew the image of a burning Wicker Man, but I, I, I'm not even sure that I knew that there was a person inside that Wicker Man. Radiohead put out a music video maybe four or five years ago, and it's like a stop-motion version uh, telling of the wicker man oh and everyone in the comments is like yo it's the wicker man and I, I remember reading those comments and not really being sure exactly what that meant so so seeing that original wicker man movie it was pretty fresh to me and i really enjoyed it i thought it was a bit of a drag in some parts but i thought that there was some really unsettling imagery in there um there's not a whole lot happening, but somehow there's just like a, a permeating vibe that that creeps you out the entire time, sort of like uh, David Lynch movies. Um, right. And then and then the ending, the climax is just it's so heavy and it feels iconic as you're watching it and and very scary. Uh, not dissimilar to something like um, Midsummer, which I, I think took a lot of inspiration from The Wicker Man. But again, I've only seen it that one time. Haven't done a lot of reading about the movie afterwards. Um, and now that I've said that they were actually obsessed with apples in that movie, I'm starting to second guess. That might not even be true. But I, <laughs> I, but it's certainly not bees. I'll tell you that. The bees okay. are, are unique to this one. So um, anybody yeah. who's in an Animal Crossing mindset right now might be interested in the dichotomy between apples and bees. And you can figure that shit out on your own time. <laughs> <laughs> so i finished i finished that first one right and then i and then right away i started up the nicholas cage movie um i was with my friend who knew of the nicholas cage memes and he had also the memes specific to the wicker man film and he had also seen that uh remake and so i was excited to check it out with him i really loved nicholas cage um and we watched it and do you think I should say how I felt about it that first time? Is that too much? No, I don't think so. I think you may as well. <laughs> All right. That first time, I really, really dug it. Um, okay. My friend and I had a blast watching it, and we weren't even just laughing at it. I, I just thought it was a, a, a nice retelling of the story we just saw in, in sort of a... Uh, a 2006 way like it it has it has a lot of stuff in it that feels very specific to um the way movies were being made at that time a lot of false jump scares and um uh cgi bees cgi bees yeah the cgi is pretty heavy weird um, dream sequences where somebody yes. gets run over by a truck on a boat <laughs> yeah and i guess after after watching the first movie and then chasing it immediately with this one, it would have really worn me out to see a film that was as heavy and as plodding as that original movie. So it was actually really nice to turn this one on at about 11 p.m. or so and have something that was a bit more lively while still telling a story that I knew I liked from that original time. Well, um, what about yeah. Would you categorize as lively? Is it just lively in comparison because it was less dour? I don't. I don't know. Less. It's just tonally I th I think that, different, I guess. 
Yeah, um, I guess I'm mostly talking about the scenes that are put in in this movie about every 15 minutes to uh, <laughs> liven the audience up a bit, like where he's looking through that abandoned house and he falls through the floorboards and then he's right. trying to pull himself up or the dream sequences that come in just to sort of get like the heart rate of the movie up a little bit before going back down. The original movie doesn't have those and it's really it's more of a flat line with a couple little spikes when you see something that looks creepy, but it's still not these big um, action-y thriller sequences. You don't get any of that yeah. until the end. And so this time, uh, I actually appreciated the stuff that was a bit more cheesy, but was uh, was spicing the night up a bit. And um, I thought the Nicolas Cage sequences where he's screaming um, lines and really, really going in. I thought they worked really well in the context of the film. I I was kind of peeved that people had been uh, posting it online all the time and making jokes about the bees um, and about burning the doll when a lot of these people probably didn't actually watch the movie because I think taken out of context, it, it does seem very goofy. Um but within the movie, I actually felt it uh, pretty well. The same thing happened recently with uh, one of my favorite movies that I've brought up on the podcast a couple times, Mean Creek. There's a very climactic sequence in that movie where Josh from Drake and Josh um, <laughs> starts screaming at the other kids and saying a lot of uh, slurs and using a lot of vulgar language. And in isolation, if you just put that on YouTube and it's Josh from Drake and Josh, uh, he's over 10, you know, he's just he's going to 12 and he's just going so hard it seems ridiculous but if you watch the hour leading up to that it actually is very affecting and i thought the same thing with this movie so i came away from both wickerman movies thinking they were both uh valuable and enjoyable that's awesome that's that's great to hear i had no real reference point for the original film and in the case of the 2006 version yeah, I mean, I knew the memes. Like, I don't think that's a huge surprise that the thing I would know is the memes. Um, all I knew was the memes and that the movie had a reputation for being bad. To jump ahead a little bit, I'll agree that in the context of the movie, Nick Cage's performance is fine. Like, you know, he's it makes sense. None of it feels... Well, some of it feels a little eh. But, like, generally, when he's sort of yelling and getting desperate, it's almost like it's because he's playing somebody who is confused and desperate. And that's what that person would be doing. Um, so, I agree there. But aside from that, I had just seen, like, the bit where he, like, gets in a bear suit and, like, punches a woman in the face. Yeah, I um, hadn't seen that before. Oh, so that you hadn't? Yeah, that got clipped yeah. a lot. So, I'd seen I wasn't, that. I wasn't super familiar with the memes, honestly. I knew that at one point he screamed, not the bees, but that was about all I had. Yeah, so I, that's pretty much all I knew, um, which so maybe is did not you, a great did way. Did you know the Wicker Man story? Um, I did eventually, because I'm pretty confident that at some point in time, uh, Mitch, friend of the show friend of ours i guess i guess we're the show so it's still friend of the show um, had uh had talked to me about it i believe i don't know if he hears this and i'm wrong sorry but i was like passingly aware of it basically so so were the story beats of this surprising to you did they did you know that they were gonna get to nick cage burning in the wicker man and did you know what would lead up to that like did you know the premise um no but because the memes all come from the end, I knew what the end of the movie was <laughs> because Fair. that's what yeah. people were clipping. So I kind of knew that. Other than that, in terms of the beats, I maybe didn't know what they were going in, but I will say now that they're not very compelling beats. Like they're kind of tired. So it's like you can kind of see what the beats are um, yeah. before yeah, yeah, they're yeah. happening. Um, so I mean. I didn't know beforehand, but I knew pretty shortly thereafter <laughs> once the movie yeah, was started. I, I uh, watched this movie with my girlfriend here in quarantine, and she hadn't seen this movie before and didn't know the memes. And um, she was uh, calling out plot beats before they happened, you know, that the daughter was going to be his and uh, that they were setting him up in order to put him into the Wicker Man. And I didn't reveal these things uh, as she mentioned them. I didn't say, you're right. But then, you know, they kept happening. And so at one point I just said, 
oh, dude, have you seen this movie before? And she goes, well, I've seen movies before. And I, uh, I was like, she that's, has a point. I guess that's can't a argue point. with that. Um, <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't seen this and can't predict the beats based on the little bit of information we've given you, Nick Cage is playing a policeman who gets a letter from his ex-fiance that her daughter, his daughter, their daughter is missing and she lives on a privately owned pagan island basically in the pacific northwest i actually don't know if it's the pacific northwest maybe it's just the west i don't it doesn't matter uh well he says he's from california so i assume he went north what it doesn't matter he he goes to washington it's in washington okay so pacific northwest crushed it should have just went with my gut oh it says washington state on the wikipedia page right in front of my goddamn face (laughs) anyway yeah neo-pagan cult you know you know paganism you ever heard of that that's what they do there uh worshiping you ever watch black christmas you ever watch black christmas 2006 (laughs) yeah i mean you know he tries to figure out this murder alleged murder missing kid murder whatever and nobody there is helpful people are trying to misdirect him get him off the trail he's finding clues that give him reason to believe that there's some sort of like murder cover-up and uh willow who is his ex-fiance is like not giving him clear answers and the people who are all named after like flowers and shit are not giving him clear answers and he is just sort of increasingly desperate and confused as to what's happening and trying to figure this out uh they name drop things like uh don quixote and the vibe that you kind of get just sort of generally um and in fact i watched this movie on youtube and there was a youtube comment that uh i'm just gonna pull it up oh, i don't have it open um there was a youtube comment and what it said was basically like that nick cage is like this hyper masculine figure in the movie and that's true he's um one of the only men that talk in the whole movie and the men that live on this island can't talk Be- not because they physically can't i think they're just not allowed um and you very much get the impression that the movie is sort of framing this like noble rugged pure masculine effort is rubbing up against this like weird misinformed like feminine power which is why i mentioned the gender stuff off the top because knowing even just reading that little bit that the director's previous work in other mediums uh as well as film sort of straddles that line for a lot of people that see it between being um like a study or like reveling in it uh certainly makes this a more complicated watch than it initially seemed yeah i mean they set him up and they burn him they burn him in the wicker man like you know that's where the movie goes so i'm just gonna start if that's fine with how with what i thought about the movie um yeah because we already kind of know where you're at a little bit i mean your opinion may have changed of course but uh this thing could barely keep my goddamn attention um and i think that's in part because it had been like strip mined for meme resources so it was easy to kind of not get into it right away because i'm sort of waiting for the stuff that's like iconic now and things like that and frankly i just didn't find a lot of that lead up mystery very compelling um i didn't find a lot of the sort of narrative clues they were sort of dropping or like the the trajectory that he goes on very compelling so i was really bored and then the ending comes with all the meme stuff that i know and it's not really that funny because i've i've been seeing it for a decade uh so it was really just kind of a flat line for me i do think that there are shades of nick cage's performance that i think are good and i note that they're good specifically because of the reputation that they do have and um a lot of the rest of the film though feels awkward perhaps consciously awkward because of things like they're a weird pagan cult so maybe they talk weird or there's this sort of culture shock cross-cultural contact happening that makes things weird and now knowing that he made the island all women in charge when it wasn't before and his and there's like gender stuff happening makes it feel weird for an entirely different reason. So I have no strong opinion here, but my response is mixed, not because it might be good and it might not be, but I don't know why I don't like it. And I can't tell if it's because it's boring or because it's weird. 
Well, maybe we can figure it out. Maybe we can figure it out. Maybe that's why we bought these microphones. What did you think, uh, second time round? I liked this one uh, again. I liked it a bit less than I did that first time, and uh, that might be because of sort of what you're experiencing, but to a lesser extent, because I was familiar with all of Nick Cage's performance this time, and so it was a bit less novel, not even um, just in those big moments, but uh, he he does some interesting stuff even when he's not... uh, at 12 and screaming about the bees but but i was familiar with all that and so uh, it wasn't enough to keep me um as hyped as i was that first time around but i was able to um dive a bit more into the story this time and think about um why uh this is a story that i like so much and I think that's what it really comes down to here is that it's just it is a story that I like because it's so simple. Um, It takes place in a small setting, which I dig. I like mysteries. I like uh, um, missing person stories. Even before you like you, it's not that that much of a mystery. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think so. I think it's not it's not a mystery in that like. Uh, did they do something to this girl or didn't they? Um, because we know that the cult is uh, up to something or else there wouldn't be a movie. But in the same way, uh, when it comes to like murder mysteries, we know that the person has died and that someone is going to be responsible and we're eventually going to figure it out. But it's just it's a fun ride to see how the protagonist is going to go about figuring it out and getting got at the end yeah i mean honestly i would much rather lead with things that you like about the movie um and sort of get your perspective on that because otherwise i'm going to spend a lot of time saying didn't do a lot for me so i i think that if we if we open on that we might have more to work with um i will lead with the thing that i think is good is that there are cases where i think nick cage works well um when he turns it up near the end, I, I don't think any of that is misplaced. I think one or two of the line readings are a bit much. I do think the not the bees line sounds a little bit funny. I think in context, you understand why it sounds a bit weird. It's because he's like dazed and drugged and has no knees and all that shit. But um, I don't know. Like when he's talking to that pilot and he's like, will you take us to the island? And he's like, who's us? And it's like, it's me and my friends, the guys on the money. Ha ha. It's like, you know, I like that. I think um, his I'm so dedicated to being a cop and serving the good shtick kind of works in juxtaposition to this. But I find it frustrating that um, there's so much transparency in how willfully obtuse the people on the island are being, which just makes it frustrating as a viewing experience. I think there are ways to do that sort of like misdirection better than this movie does. Um, but in terms of a lot of what the movie has going on beyond that, I don't really have a lot of strong feelings. So I absolutely welcome the things that you liked. Yeah, sure. So my favorite thing about this is that it feels like a video game. I like that Nicolas Cage has arrived um, in this uh, this cool level, a big island level. And he has to just wander around from character to character and like get a, bu- a bit of information from them and then leave and go on to the next character. There are so many instances in this movie where he's talking to someone and then the conversation doesn't come to a proper uh, conclusion through the dialogue. It's just Nick Cage decides to turn and leave. <laughs> Nick Cage and- blows the dialogue tree and he can't yeah. continue. <laughs> He just like keeps hitting X and then he finally gets out of there. Um, and I like that like there's there's like an abandoned house level where he's just like wandering around looking for clues. And then there's an underwater level where he like goes into the sewer type thing and he's just swimming around um, in those aspects. It's just it's it's fun that we we get so much mileage out of uh, him being on this island and wandering around talking to people and doing like miscellaneous activities and um to be fair i don't think it would work for me at all if it weren't nicholas cage i'm not laughing at him in, at the entire time um i'm laughing at him I, sometimes for sure 
because <laughs> uh, for me, I don't think Nicolas Cage is a, a bad actor. I know you don't think he's a bad actor, but I also I don't think he's a laughable actor either. There's just something about him that is so, so captivating to me in just the way he walks and the way he speaks and the way he looks. And so um, the, this movie just from the get-go it has that going for it that we're spending the entire time with Nicolas Cage we're following him through every single scene and um, the movie doesn't really leave his side and I really love that I really like the climax Um, that's just to say I really love the story being told I think it's a very simple story that was told in a very unique unsettling way the first time around and now i appreciate it seeing it again with nicholas cage and uh having the little uh tinkers in the tone but still reaching that climax and it's just a story that i think is so cool and is so simple and it can go in so many di- different directions that i would love seeing this movie uh, remade again. It's kind of like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory or like Pet Cemetery, where I just I think it's just a timeless, simple story. And so um, I, I really like living in this world with these characters and hanging out with them for an hour and a half and then with getting them to the... or with Nicolas Cage because the other characters don't really have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, with them through Nicolas Cage. Sure. I like spending time with them briefly before going on to the next one. But you're right. There's no there's no other character in this movie who I'm uh, really I, fascinated I like by. Beach. I don't know who's playing her, like the barkeep one. Yeah, she's yeah. got like a vibe that I like. Um, yeah, she's I'd love got to some see spunk. that actor do something else. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think, yeah, a lot of it's kind of one note i i I just want to say quick i love the moments on the show where you really betray the fact that you are a writer like of fiction Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you have these um things that you'll sort of like fixate on or be really into and the justification is just i just think the story is good like not that it's that simple for you but you're just like i just like the story it's a nice clean story I like it. And I like that. I feel like that's sort of like your own writer brain kicking in and like what works for you sensibility and maybe portrays some of like how you think about writing. And I like that. (laughs) I like when that gets to come up, that sort of like specialized information. Thanks. Yeah. I like the story. Um, I like that it reaches its inevitable conclusion. And uh, I just, I like spending time with this movie. I don't think it... I wouldn't want it to be any longer. I think it's no. it's the perfect length, and it's just uh, it's 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 a nice quarantine movie, man. I, I like nestling into this for an hour and a half. That's for sure. Honestly, I think the movie could probably be about ten minutes shorter. <laughs> and um, a version is so. You say you rented this on YouTube, right? Uh, yeah. It's uh the version. Uh, the credits started at one hour thirty seven minutes, and I think the credits are about five minutes long. That's right. Yeah. And so I watched the same version this time around, but I can tell from uh, from what you're talking about. And because I, I watched the same cut that you did, that you and I saw the longer version. We watched the unrated rated R version. But the first version I saw of this movie a year or so ago is the theatrical cut. That's PG-13. Oh and in, in that version, it's shorter. And this is what really blew my mind the first time I saw it, Corey. The theatrical version that's PG-13, does not have the, uh, oh my god, the bees scene. The bees are in my eyes. The helmet of bees, that's not in there. How they did don't it break get it. memed then when the DVD right. came out? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. And so that kind of pissed me off more that um, I was waiting the entire time it for the not the bees came. scene. <laughs> because because I knew it was the meme and it was the one meme I knew and so we get to the wicker man part and they they're all crowding around him and I'm ready for it to happen and so is my friend who knows the memes and who has seen this movie and then they crowd around him and then they're immediately bringing him to the wicker man oh, wow. and I think and I think his face is swollen as they're doing yeah. it but we don't know why does, because uh, we haven't seen him get he, stung and it was just it was crazy does he does he punch people in that one he does punch people, but he doesn't get his legs broken. Okay. Because uh, I wasn't sure, like, where they would draw the line in PG-13, because it's like, I mean, obviously, in the context of the movie, like, it's pe- it's women that are trying to kill him, but it is just Nick Cage punching women in the face and yeah. kicking them across a room. So I wasn't <laughs> sure, like, what they were going to do with that in a PG-13 context. 
Yeah, that was in there. So I still got some joy out of the theatrical cut. But uh, <laughs> joy is a, it, is a word to use, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, again, in the context of the movie, punching women, not joyful. Nick Cage punching women an hour and 20 minutes into this, kind of joyful. But yeah, we, we skip the leg breaking and the B scene and it goes straight to the Wicker Man. And so it turned out to me that like all these people making fun of this movie aren't literally even Literally had no context. The they didn't that, know. Yeah. They literally, no one knew. That's and, incredible. And, Holy and the shit. movie also doesn't end after the Wicker Man falls. Um, or so, Yeah, sorry. It does not end after the Wicker Man falls. The version you and I saw, the unrated version, the Wicker Man head collapses like on front of the camera and then it's an abrupt ending, yeah. right? That's it? Yeah. And so um, in the theatrical version, and you can see this in the last paragraph of the plot summary on Wikipedia, we get a six oh, months later sequence. Oh, my God. And so that's not, as far as I remember, that's not a mid-credit scene. That's the end of the movie. So the Wicker Man collapses, and then we go six months later. We get to go to a bar uh, where James Franco is is oh. uh, the actor here at the end. You can I saw his name in the credits of the version you and I watched, and I was like, where is James Franco? Paul Rudd's um, in there, too, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so James Franco actually finishes off the theatrical cut of this movie. He's hanging out at a bar and um, one of the sisters, Sister Honey, goes up to him and asks if he wants to go home with her. And that's the end of that movie. Wow. So this movie's really got a lot going on, huh? When yeah. You, when you consider all of those things in their totality. Oh, boy. Interesting. I don't know why you would do a PG-13 cut of this movie. I just can't I can't figure that out. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. That that doesn't I think, change I think how they were, I feel very much, but <laughs> I think they were just going for the teen horror crowd. Um This is so a lot of, a lot not of 13 horror came out at that time. Yeah, but this is so not a movie that I picture teenagers getting into at all. Like it just isn't. I don't know. It doesn't give me the feeling that it would captivate a young audience or a younger audience. Well, they definitely tried to do it more so than yeah, that it's original got those film. moments, like you were saying. And that also just does yeah. feel like an artifact of like the mid two thousands. Like putting yeah. those kind of scenes. Like it's almost as if like they want to wake the audience up, like they're worried people fucking fell asleep because people were talking for too long. So somebody needs to like fall through a floor or something. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, even though we, we have those uh, segments from the early 2000s, this movie also feels kind of old Hollywood to me that we're just, we're following... Uh, Which old movie. Hollywood? Like, like 40s old Hollywood? <laughs> well, a bit later than that. Like 50s, 60s, where we're following around this A-list actor um, through a pretty simple story and setting as he's just kind of talking to various supporting characters and then moving okay. on to the yeah. next like one. A, like and then a, we have then we have a big climax. Yeah, like a classic detective tale kind of thing. Yeah. Like you could put Humphrey Bogart in here. <laughs> That's right. And I kind of dig that. Yeah, and I do think Nick Cage has that that kind of leading man energy, or he can. And I think people don't give him enough credit as an actor when they say that he can't. So I'm down with that. I do wish that there was more going on past like my recognition of Nick Cage as a human being. Um, because in terms of how things look in the production design and the cinematography and stuff, like there's a couple interesting sets, like uh, the all white like bedroom that the kid had or the weird bedroom situation that the summer's Isle lady has before they go do the thing. But I don't know. A lot of it feels very, y'all ever heard of folk horror before? <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. Here's more of that. And I I'm, think, I'm with you there. I think I'm especially after I haven't seen a ton of other folk horror, um, but the folk horror movie that I'm most into uh, is uh midsummer, <laughs> which, uh, is playing with a lot of the same kinds of like iconography as a lot of them do so like i'm seeing it here and i'm just like i've only seen one of these and it already feels tired you know like and i mean i've seen more than one full horror movie if you aren't super stringent about like the qualifications for that like i think pet cemetery has that kind of vibe in it as well uh when you get into like the animal masks and weird rituals and shit um 
Yeah, I, th- I think that just comes from because folk horror is kind of coming back now. So yeah, as a 2019 a Pet Cemetery sure. movie, I think they just kind of they put some of that stuff in there. Yeah, and that was the one I was referring to because I, I yeah, can't speak yeah. to the, the original first one and the fucking sequel sure as shit does not have any of that. Yeah, it, it was mildly disappointing to just see that in terms of everything else that goes into making a movie. There's not a lot at play. Uh you could talk about the editing. I don't mean the edit in terms of like the flow of the story and how like scenes go together. I think that's fine, you know, passable, whatever. But I mean the editing in terms of like the nightmares and the flashbacks. Um, and it's yeah. got this weird, they're in black and white and it's got like a weird frame rate and, uh, They've edited in CGI bees or trucks at various points and uh, they feel old and they don't age well. I think they work fine as sort of illustrating how Nick Cage's character gets to the point where he's just like delirious and fucked up um, because his like mental state is deteriorating and also like people are actively trying to hurt him. But like uh, aside from that, I was kind of it's it's unremarkable in a lot of in a lot of ways and that's all i have to say about that part (laughs) um well maybe i'll take you were waiting for me to say more and i was just like i have nothing else to give you (laughs) i'll I'll take this moment are funny in a lot of cases like when the girl or the the sequences the dreams whatever the the what's the word the word for you see something appear that's not there hallucinations hallucinations there we go holy shit um the first time that girl is standing on the edge of that ship and a truck just appears is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Amazing, dude. And that was probably the case for me the first time I watched it, where it was the funniest part. But this time, the it's second so time around, it's so the, funniest, the funniest thing in the world was the second time she gets hit <laughs> on the boat. Because I saw it coming the first time yeah, um, it's this so time weird. around. And then the, when she was on the boat again... Uh, I was like, is she, is it really going to happen? And then we like, there, there's some sort of like fake out. Yeah, it it's like waits. a double scare. It waits. it waits. And like, you might even see a bee or something. Something happens. And then she gets slammed by a truck. And it is hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. And I want to take this moment to talk about my favorite editing choice in the movie. Please. Um, it is, in fact, uh, one of my favorite filmmaking I don't know what you would call it, a device, uh, and it is the use of the title card. I love when the title card here smacks. It comes pretty late. It's maybe six or seven minutes into the movie, and it's right after Nicolas Cage is blasted back by an explosion trying to save this girl from a car. He's a police officer. That also got suddenly smashed by a truck in a very unexpected way. That's right. That this is the source of his trauma, and he's he's smashing through this window trying to save this woman in a one horse open sleigh. Girl. Yeah, and then the car explodes, and he gets thrust back under the road, and then this giant title card in this really haunting, uh, aggressive font just says "The Wicker Man," and "The Wicker Man" is a great title, but. The reason it's so great, I think, is because... It sounds it... like you just love titles that are the blank man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason it's so great here is because <laughs> it refers to something that happens really late in the movie. And so you don't even know what the Wicker Man means until the end. And so when it the, this title smacks at the end of this, uh, just like this, this random cop trying to save this little girl, it seems like the biggest non sequitur. I have no idea what the wicker man is. Is like, is Nicholas cage, the wicker man in this moment? Is this some sort right. of slang? Be, I'm not understanding. Like if it just hit you with like he, the car explodes and it goes file your taxes. And it's just like, well, what does that mean here? Yeah. Like, and, and it comes so late that like, I, I don't expect a title card to hit. I, I think don't we're think far enough seen... along in the movie that, there is no title card and so it just it makes me laugh every yeah. single time well, and i don't think you see wicker properly in the movie used against a person until the pilot is dead which is yeah. like fucking 70 minutes in <laughs> like, yeah. and if you don't know like if you've never seen a wicker chair before you have no idea what that means at all like if you don't know what it means for something to be like a wicker thing like yeah yeah. You're just completely lost. 
Um, yeah, so it just it takes this haunting title and just like makes it like so in your face and ridiculousness and uh, ridiculousness. Uh, <laughs> Dude, your too much your work is bleeding day. into your home life. I did the same <laughs> thing. My work was bleeding into my ability to intro this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, if there's any meme to take from this movie, I think it should be slapping the wicker man title card <laughs> on like any sort of media and so me and my friend me and my friend who i watch this movie with we have this joke now where uh we watch really any movie and whenever something ridiculous happens uh we just we make a joke that it's gonna slap on screen the wicker man wait okay we have to brainstorm a little bit here think of yeah. a scene from a movie that would be improved if right after the thing happens it just cut to the wicker man there's got to be good ones. Yo, yeah, totally. And the joke is also that it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the movie. No, because it could be any, in any scene. So late in. Like, we've been watching movies and then like an hour and ten minutes. It's like, yo, yo, the Wicker Man. I've seen a movie where literally that's when the title card shows up. Oh, it, yeah? It's a, two, it's a two and a half hour movie. And um, the last hour of it is an uninterrupted single take shot. So right before that shot starts is when the title card happens. So oh. you don't see the title card for like 90 minutes. <laughs> is this uh this kind of sounds like one cut of the dead. No, what is it? it's a uh, it's called Long Day's Journey into Night. That's the English translation of the title. It's uh, directed by B Gunn, who also did Kylie Blues. Uh it's fucking exceptional. Um it's got big like Tarkovsky vibes. It's really good. You should check it out. It's um it's well i don't need to give a huge plot synopsis google it people this is a wicker man podcast but um i highly recommend it that movie's fucking incredible and that shot is one of the most remarkable things i've ever seen but i think what i love about that too now that you've introduced this uh this bit of mystery here is you're like well which half of the movie was the long day's journey into night was it mm. the first half or the second half who's the wicker man is <laughs> <laughs> But title now, cards are such a great art man now i'm picturing a cut of that movie where it just says the wicker man <laughs> like <laughs> like over halfway through the movie yeah that's cool that you pulled that out because um at that point my friend and i started talking about like what is the latest a title card has shown up in a movie while not being at the very end and so that's a good poll that's a that's candidate a answer. that's a candidate yeah. for sure and it, it caught me so off guard when it finally appeared, I was like, oh my god, it's the title card. Yeah, it's like, is the movie over title card? I did think oh, it was like another an hour. end slate. And then it's like, no, we have the whole thing to do still. Um, do you have any good anything come to mind yet? A funny example? Or uh, should we uh, should we move on and maybe save it? Well, I don't know, man. Look, what if uh what if it's like after um jim gets caught for having sex with the pie in american pie that would be funny what if he, what if he gets wicker manned after that yeah i don't know i was thinking of other nicholas cage movies and that, i mean that would be you got it he is the wicker man yeah well i mean mandy has like sev several title cards you could make oh, any dude, of those say yeah the wicker after man. he does the after he does the cocaine in the bathroom the wicker, wicker man. man i was thinking <laughs> of so we obviously saw moonstruck in film class that's right. And that's a movie that I think if I watched it again, I my opinion would change. I think did we did you like that movie? Yes. Okay, great. I I, I didn't like share uh right. but I I forget cuz I talked about that movie with a lot of people cuz I was talking with uh Mitch and Sam friends of the show and we were just sort of baffled by it more than anything not cuz it was bad but it's just so much. But the scene I'm thinking of is so Nick Cage's character has a wooden hand in that movie. Yep. So what I'm yep. picturing is Nick Cage going, I lost my hand. I lost my bride. And then it just cuts to the wicker man while he's throwing this wooden <laughs> hand around. That's a good one, too. That's the best thing I got right now. That is a good one. Yeah, it's it's a good idea to start with Nicolas Cage movies. And then work your way backwards. And then, and then go from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if if I'm being rude and pivoting away from the wicker man too early but now that i'm thinking about it do you have any other choice nick cage line reads that you're a fan of because i'm a really big fan of i lost my hand i lost my pride <laughs> uh yeah that's a great one um his work is in vampire's kiss is really nice where he screams the alphabet to <laughs> his uh to his assistant, who he feels isn't doing good enough work. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
and he goes he goes all the way to Why Z. Why does he do that? Uh, he's just he's a strange guy, and he's just so really really thing. upset at it. We're cutting to the heart of the matter. Nick Cage has a reputation because he does shit like that in movies. However, the problem is out of context. That's hilarious. In context, it may also be hilarious, but it might be hilarious and also effective. And I think not enough people give Nick Cage the chance for his weird stuff to also be effective. Um, that's, yeah, I think, I think that's a great way to put me, it. Uh, is also Mandy, because it's like, if you look at that bathroom scene in Mandy, where he just has an absolute fucking breakdown, that's not that many degrees removed from any other breakdown Nick Cage has in any other movie. He doesn't scream the alphabet, so maybe it's less funny, but he's pacing a carpeted bathroom, drinking vodka out of a bottle, crying in underwear on a tiger shirt. So, like, you know, it's a lot. Um, but it's it works so well. That scene is a fucking triumph. So it's like, I feel like people just need to give Nick Cage more of a chance. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, dude. Um... I think that his meme status is earned because I don't want to discredit the crazy work he's done. No, and, and like, some yes. of it's truly just fucking insane off the rails. What was he doing? Of course. Yeah, but but it's just it's amazing that he he works on both those levels. You can laugh at him in these singular clips, but he's also such a great actor that when you look at the larger work he is doing, as it's fair to do, you know, movies aren't just their individual scenes. If you watch them in order, um his work really really stands out and it makes a lot of sense. He's just he's a hard guy to pin down, man. My girlfriend after watching this movie, she said Nicolas Cage didn't really work for her because um it felt like he had just wandered into like the wrong movie set. I think that was the and, point though. And was just yeah, just like being super super weird and I think that um I, I, I like seeing him do that, but I also think it's like it's on the directors and the other actors in the movie to like keep up with yeah, him. Yeah, to know? get she, there. <laughs> she felt that the other actors, yeah, they weren't there with him. And to me, that's not Nicolas Cage's no, fault. I think that's some like, of them kind of are, to be fair. Yeah. I think main lady, Summer's Isle, sorry, I forgot the name. She <laughs> kind of gets there. She's leaning into it. She's chewing the scenery a little bit. And like we said, Sister Beach, I think can get there i think the biggest problem is that like willow does not get there um yes yeah she, she's just like uh she's like she's, a blank like, like a typical love interest i yeah. looked her up to, apparently she's in a deleted scene from parasite huh i know i cannot wait to figure out how the fuck that happened <laughs> that's funny yeah i don't know if that's just like wikipedia playing tricks on me or what but i just want to point that out another thing i need to point out liam we got yep. another thematically relevant classroom lecture. Ah, uh, love it. Boy meets so, world. Let's go. So Nick Cage is looking for Willow and wanders into this schoolhouse. And she, the teacher is like, okay, class. So like, what is the true meaning of masculinity in its ideal state? And every single little girl in this classroom puts their hands up because, you know, I don't know, Island of Women, I guess. And I don't know if the movie's trying to make some kind of stupid fucking commentary on how, like, feminism works. If it is, it's stupid. But um, these two twins get called on to answer, and they both just go, phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Phallic symbol. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck are we doing, dude? Like, and maybe that's meant to alienate the audience in the way that Nick Cage feels alienated, but I just think it's fucking stupid and hilarious. Like, I think it's working <laughs> against the movie. <laughs> It's super strange, uh, but I just I love being at Nick Cage's side while that's happening and just like being baffled because even in the original movie, there's just there's a lot of baffling stuff going on and we're yeah, just dis tone, we're disoriented with the main character. I think the tone is the thing that can carry bafflement effectively. I think the problem is this movie's tone. Maybe it's also just Nick Cage's recognizability, but I always feel like it's winking at me. Um, mm. And I think that that makes it harder to take it for what it is because I always feel like the movie is like, eh? Crazy, right? Interesting, wow. interesting. Um, yeah. That I, might be the burden of reputation doing that to me, but. It's possible. I didn't get that in this movie. I think this one actually plays it really straight besides Nick Cage yeah. just because. Um, 
the way that the other actors like aren't quite on the same level yeah. that he is like willow um it feels like it's going straight whereas a more recent nick cage movie um called mom and dad that movie felt a bit more winky to me because other actors are being kind of crazy and wild and the camera choices are um they're a lot more flashy and so i i, I do understand watching a nick cage movie and feeling that it's uh it's a bit too self-aware to get invested in. Uh, I didn't. I didn't feel that with this one. Yeah. But I get you. I don't think the actors were the problem. I think the movie just permeates that vibe for me, whether it's trying to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be me. That could be the movie. I'm liable to blame the movie just because I also don't think it's very good. So like maybe the movie's doing that without trying to. But yeah, I mean. Is there that much? How much more? How much more is there to say about the Wicker Man? Um, I uh, uh, I feel like I've kind of I'm tapped out on Wicker Man information, and you know that that's true because I started pivoting to talking about Nick Cage line deliveries in other movies. Well, why don't you just refresh me real quick on on how you feel about the story at its core? Like, did you think the Wicker Man burning was like scary or no. unsettling or anything? No, I did not. Um, and maybe in a different movie it would be. Um, in this movie it wasn't for me. Um, I was just kind of like checking my watch at that point. Like, okay, w- well, we must be almost done here because the Wicker Man's burning. Um, Got you. It, it just never it never hooked me the way the movie would have to to make that work. And I think that's probably the fault, at least in part of the early bits of the movie before he goes there because they're also awkward and stilted and not normal and they have no reason to be (laughs) like okay that's not fair they do because nick cage has just gone through something traumatic but i feel like that dial is cranked a little too high so i was kind of out before the movie could get me back a bit of a hypothetical situation quick this just popped into my head as you talked about nicholas cage being weird before he even got to the island and uh things feeling stilted do you think nicholas cage would be well suited to do a yorgos lanthimos movie oh my god or is, or is that too much weirdness like would he it's not but is it a different kind of weirdness no i think he could absolutely do it yeah. um i think that something that i like about Lanthimos movies I don't know why I just said his last name like that like we're cool bros but um Yorgos's movies Yorgos's movies um which I haven't seen all of I've seen two of them I've seen uh The Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Favorite and all right, I, well I I've seen have you uh, seen uh, Dogtooth and uh, The Lobster no but I've seen Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster so okay, together perfect. we can cover 75% of his ground I love that so part of what is remarkable is that he's getting these actors that don't typically do these things as far as I'm aware to do these things. Um, yeah, that's like why I'm seeing Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss and um, well, Olivia Coleman sort of came up in comedy, so that's not, that's not totally fair, but um, seeing those actors do wild shit is interesting in the weird clinical detached, like lack of human connection that comes in sacred deer is really <laughs> compelling because it's so fucking sterile until it gets really, really, like, personal and bloody very fast. Um, but everything feels like this weird remove. I think in a supporting role, Nick Cage crushes one of those. I don't think he's your pick for leading man in a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Um, mm. That might be too much, but I think him appearing, he would be able to strike the necessary tone so well because of just the way his method of acting comes across. Because it's not like Nick Cage hasn't worked with a wide variety of directors, right? Like, I don't know, he's done, he's worked with fucking Scorsese and then has also done the sequel to Ghost Rider. Like, dude gets around. So I think he could do it, yeah. Do you? Yeah, um, I would just I would love to see it happen because it is a different kind of weirdness. It's uh, I think the way you put it that he gets actors who don't typically do this stuff to do it. And that's why part of why it seems so strange just makes me think that um, seeing Nicolas Cage in a role like that might take away from the very 
deliberately strange atmosphere those movie has because going in we know that Nicolas Cage is strange and um also loud because I think yeah uh, that Yorgos's movies Yogi's movies are <laughs> are very quiet um but it's now that I'm thinking about it it's a collaboration that I would love to see before those two uh filmmakers have shuffled off the mortal coil i think that would be so cool yeah well and i also really quick just want to say for anybody listening who wants to drag me later um i'm basing my interpretation of those other actors performances on other movies i've seen them in so like i wasn't used to colin farrell doing that so it was news to me (laughs) like you know but i think if i say quote don't normally do that you got to give me a little bit of room but i still think that's generally true I would definitely want to see that. I think that would be great. Um, I think Nick Cage needs to just get more. I would love to see him in more movies of scale. I feel like perhaps of his own volition, which is fine. He's been on like the indie circuit for quite a long time. And I want another like marquee Nicolas Cage film. Mm hmm. It's just, it's just tough because he's older now, right? And uh, there are only only so many stories that are marquee movies and are being led by actors that are you know pushing sixty years old. Like it's it's crazy to me that in this movie that I feel came out recently, The Wicker Man. Uh, he's like he's like y- he's young and hot looking, and then it turns out it's actually fourteen years ago. And I'm like, man, Nicolas Cage doesn't quite look like that anymore. Um, and so yeah. we might be we might be past the point of him doing a marquee role. He might be in another huge movie, but I think he's more likely to be a, a supporting role. Yeah, but even if Nick Cage were to show up in like a big movie as a supporting role, I would take that, I think, at this point. But I also think that if you look at movies like... I haven't seen Mom and Dad, but if you look at movies like Mandy or probably Color Out of Space, which I also haven't seen, like they're all working in the same general area. But I don't know. I'm going to pick Mandy because I love that movie to death. Um, he's fucking exceptional. Like he, he can, He's got chops. <sighs> chops that was me karate chopping you couldn't see it because this is an audio podcast but um i i just think he still has it in him to do good work on a scale like that color of out of space i have seen that one and he's uh doing stuff that's a bit too weird and also big blockbuster movies nowadays aren't really uh yeah um, i guess i don't i don't mean blockbuster i guess i just mean like wide release honestly like yeah and, and but, i think mandy might time, be the closest we're getting i know but at the same time if he wants to keep doing the weird fucking specter vision shit also just keep doing that because he does that really well so like i don't know what i want i just want more yeah him. and i'm so and I, i'm so glad we're gonna get it i'm so glad he's still working and doing so many different things and keep uh, sending nick cage to the pacific northwest it goes well every time yeah, and uh, Nicolas Cage did make a comment um, in an interview in 2010 about which role he would like to revisit. He said he would like to do the Wicker Man, and he would like to uh, take it to. Uh, Japan, I'm gonna mess right? this one up again. Yeah, Japan, yeah. and he would like to be a ghost. And so Nicolas Cage still has ideas, and he could still be used. And uh, I'm so happy for that. And hopefully, one day we can do. The Wicker Man 2 yeah. on this podcast. I mean, dude's only 56. Like, he's got his whole life ahead yeah. of him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Cage Cast, the Nicolas Cage fan cast. Um, thank you, everybody, for using your quarantine time to spend time with us. And uh, if you're looking for more of Cage Cast, the Nicolas Cage fan cast, you can find us on Twitter at they made another one, which is the handle from when we used to talk about movies that didn't have Nick Cage in them, but we don't do that anymore. You can find which us on... F- funny enough, though, Corey, we could make a Nicolas Cage podcast and still call it they made another one. It would work out. Yeah, it's a really... it's a really There's a lot of use cases for the title that we've chosen. If anybody wants to send us any emails or tweets, if you're interested in a sub-series of bonus episodes on this feed where we talk about Nick Cage movies, we will do it. Because what else are we doing? The world has shut down. We're at home. Who fucking cares? Nick Cage cast. 
You can find that on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for Nick Cage movies to watch, questions, comments, and your favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. And if this were a movie, that's where the title card, The Wicker Man, would smash. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd now at Woo! Mr. Corey Price, Big Day. And I would also like to note that you can find the podcast on Letterboxd at TMAO, uh, which stands for They Made Another One. And um, right uh, right now up there, all we really have is um, the movies we've watched so far. We're going to be putting a watch, lift, a watch list up there so you can look at uh, stuff that we want to be doing in the future and things like that. Uh, we'll link to our reviews that are written if they exist uh, from our personal accounts, stuff like that. So that'll be a good place to aggregate everything that we've got going on. And uh, until we talk about the next Nicolas Cage movie, stay safe, stay healthy. Don't go out if you don't have to. Listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll catch you here next week for more. They made another one? 